Welcome to America's Cannabis Conversation at americascannabisconversation.com. And here's your host, Dan Perkins. Welcome to this special edition of America's Cannabis Conversation. Joining me right now is Dr. Michael Lewis, who I have met uh, on the phone a couple of times. He's a, a phenomenal man, a former Army colonel. And he's going to talk to us about a little bit about his credentials to talk about COVID-19. So, Dr. Mike, thank you for joining us today. Great to be with you again, Dan. Give us a profile, quick profile. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm a retired Army colonel. Um, I went to West Point undergrad, went out, played Army for a couple of years, and then went to Tulane Medical School down in uh, New Orleans and did general pra- surgical internship, general practice for a few years at the Pentagon, <clears throat> and eventually got board certified in, in preventive medicine, public health with training uh, very specifically in international infectious diseases, spent spent a bit of time overseas and in Asia hunting diseases, looking for new and interesting ones, and uh, having to be over there when SARS and bird flu happened, and then uh, ultimately brought back to teach medical students um, uh, the basics of epidemiology and, and infectious disease epidemiology at the military's medical school in Bethesda before I retired. So there's, there's the quick summary for you. Wow, that's that's that's, a, that's a, an impressive resume. Thank you for sharing that with us. You did a much better job than I ever could. Um, and I, I, for full disclosure, I am not a medical doctor. I'm not even a practicing physician. I'm just I'm just a talk show host who is fascinated with the subject. Doctor, let's let's jump right in and let's deal with what I think is the major problem facing America today, and that is a genuine skeptical or distrust of the vaccines that are being presented to the American people. Uh, The last report I saw was about 50% of Americans said they would try the vaccine, 50%. We have Native Americans, blacks, and brown people who are probably in the 40s. And if we got that kind of skepticism and we're not going to get enough people to get a herd immunity, what's going to happen? And as a result, what should people be doing to try and protect themselves? How can they empower themselves for their health care? Well, keep in mind that there's two basic ways to develop herd immunity. One is through natural infection and one is through immunization. And one's not exclusive from the other. I mean, and in fact, we really should be looking at and counting on both at this point. Um, and so there's going to be that natural immunity that develops after you have uh, have an infection. You develop that antibody response, and then what an immunization does is basically mimics that by either historically it's been prov- providing inactivated or or uh, greatly reduced. Um, viruses that your body then reacts to. These new, vi- these new vaccines are actually kind of interesting. They're what we call mRNA, uh, messenger RNA type of um, vaccines, which have never been used before. And so I'm sure that creates some angst as far as, well, this is new technology. But, you know, honestly, we needed a leap in technology to be able to, um, to get to where we are. As coronavirus has been around longer than mankind. I mean, they, they caused the common cold to 
everything, you know, to as bad as SARS, where, you know, the, the mortality was, um, you know, much higher than what we're seeing with the current COVID. So we really mm-hmm. needed a new technology. And so mRNA vaccines, they basically get the body to produce similar um, immune responses uh, that help with that herd immunity. So it's it's really going to take both approaches. Um, you know, one of the questions you'd have to ask, of course, I think, is, and it's not being addressed particularly, is do you need a vaccine if you've had the disease? Historically, that's never been the case. And, of course, you know, we don't help our cause by having the, the vaccine company saying, well, yes, you do need to get the vaccine. Well, sure, they're going to say that because that's more money for them. Um, but historically, if you had measles when you were a kid, you don't need a measles uh, vaccine to develop immunity because you already have that. So there's lots of unanswered questions. We're a year into this. We still don't have a lot of questions uh, answered that we really need to. We're talking to Dr. Michael Lewis, and we're talking about COVID-19 and how we empower ourselves. So, Doctor, in our last segment, you were talking about um, vaccines and the importance of them. But there are other things that we can do while we're waiting on the vaccines, right? Oh, absolutely. And and the biggest thing is taking care of your health. And uh, that you know that's a that's an onion. That's gonna we could peel that layer by layer by layer. You know, so the basics of you know what can you do? It's individual responsibility. You are responsible for your own health. Don't count on the government to provide you with a magic pill or a magic shot for your health. That is your personal responsibility. How do you how do you ensure your health? You need you know regular exercise, preferably on a daily basis, and eating healthy. But there's other things that we can do to help with that, not just go out and eat healthy, whatever that really means. Uh, certainly, decrease the sugars and the carbohydrates, and eat more colorful foods, a little more vegetable-oriented, um, but uh, eating healthy means different things to different people. I'm a big advocate for supplementation. I, I think that there are certain supplements, um, certain vitamins and minerals that can help support our immune system. Uh, even if you're not the healthiest person, they can still help. And we've seen you know, study after study come out, say, for example, with vitamin D uh, and COVID, that we see that people with low vitamin D levels are more susceptible to disease and worse disease. We know that vitamin C's worked for, you know, decades we've known that. Um, so there are certain vitamins that I think that should always be supplemented, particularly when you get into the cold and flu season, but never has it been more important uh, with the whole COVID situation. Doctor, let me. Uh, I, I'm not going to. I'm not attacking. I'm just. I'm trying to deal with practical reality. There are many times in many situations when we are told, "Eat a healthier diet, exercise, watch your sugars, all those things," and maybe we do them for a week or ten days. Some people do change their lives, but for the most part, after a while, people are going to fall back into their old ways. So my question to you is, given that reality of life. Is there something that we can do specifically that we can take or ingest that will help us, regardless of what we're doing, to help start rebuilding and strengthening our immune system? Yeah, I I think that 
that we can absolutely be doing things to strengthen our immune system. I I like a couple of different approaches. If you want to do the individual approach, you know, I'm a big fan of, you know, higher than typical doses of vitamin C, vitamin D. Um, I'm a huge fan of fish oil for its antioxidant capacities as well as its ability to keep blood from clotting too easily. Um, zinc is huge. I, I think, you know, most people don't get nearly enough zinc in their diet. And then you've got to have a way to help the zinc get into the cell. And that's, uh, you know, that's why we heard about hydroxychloroquine and some of these other things. But um, a natural way of doing that is something called quercetin. It's, it's one of the polyphenols that you see that you have in the skin of an apple. Uh, you know, an apple a day keeps the doctor away kind of thing. Um, and that's quercetin with a Q um, that is an over-the-counter supplement. So those are the five things that I think if you want to do it individually. And then there's other combinations out there, I think, that are, are just as good, if not even better, that take in some of these things like the C and uh, uh, the vitamin D and selenium and zinc so this this is a, a simple, easy way for people to adopt a regimen that they can execute as opposed to running three miles a day. They can execute going to the bathroom medicine cabinet, take out two tablets and swallow those twice a day, and they can begin to strengthen their immune system. And that's a pretty simple Absolutely. way to do it's a, so, Doctor, it's a straightforward, simple way to start, but you still, you know, it's not a substitute for, you know, getting your life in order and, and right. getting, you know, a reasonable diet and exercise program. Dr. Mike, I wanted to ask you the question, you know, we, we have an awful lot of people, uh, especially minorities, black, brown, and Native Americans, uh, who have very great skepticism about, about taking the vaccine. Uh, only about 42, 43% of African-Americans are interested in doing it. And that means almost 60% or not. So if, if we fall in that category, whether we're a minority or not, that we're not sure we want to take the, medi- the vaccine now. So the things that you talked about before, the CV acute and CV uh, defense and other things, uh, they should be doing those things right now while they're waiting to make up their mind. Well, absolutely. It's something that uh, particularly, you know, if if we would take COVID-19 out of the situation here, you know, we're we're now in January, uh, we're getting into the heart of cold and flu season. Um, Typically, the flu peaks early February. um, And so on a regular year, it's something, it's just almost it's almost like seasonal allergies. You know, in the spring when the flowers start to bloom, that you start, you know, getting hay fever and sneezing or whatever, and you start taking your allergy medicines, for example. Well, I kind of take the same approach with cold and flu season. Is as we get as it gets colder, it gets into November, December, you know, for a couple months of the cold and flu season, we needed to be doing a little extra to keep our immune system strong. We're not getting outside, and we're not getting as fresh air as much as possible unless you're, you know, fortunate to live in a climate where um, where you're able to do that year-round. But most of us aren't. And so it becomes even more important to keep our immune system strong through what we consume. And that means both our diet, but also getting a regular exercise, 
But really, as you mentioned, you know, what are we also consuming? What are we supplementing our consumption with? And uh, I think CV Defense is a great um, foundation for just about anybody who wants to keep their immune system strong. So I'm I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. I'm just listening to what you said, and I wanted to I wanted to I wanted to say it just a little different way. Because of the power of the COVID nineteen virus, we as people of the world are going to have to change the way we live our lives and what we do, regardless of what country we're in, because this virus is global in nature. And so the idea that we're going to have to change really is to the better, because what you're saying is if we work on building a strong immune system, we have the best chance against whatever Mother Nature throws at us down the road. Well, you know, I, I think that that you just summarized it as best as you can is, um, you know, it's not just about corona, uh, coronavirus or COVID-19. It's, you know, it's about the things that we're exposed to and are, uh, we're exposed to on a daily basis. I mean, we're exposed to different viruses and uh, bacteria and and fungi and, uh, you know, all kinds of things on a regular daily basis. And that's why we have an immune system. And, you know, the way our immune system gets, continues to be strong is two things. One is you need those basic building blocks to keep it healthy, but you also need um, to exercise that immune system. It's like a muscle. If it doesn't get exercised through exposures to different things, it never going to, it's going to atrophy and not be available when you need it the most. And, um, and so we, we need to be exposed to things on a regular basis. So we really got to keep it strong on the other side of things, that, that nutritional foundation to keep our immune system strong. Things like zinc to keep our, you know, immune function going. Vitamin D to keep our respiratory system uh, healthy and so on. It's absolutely important that we keep that foundation in place. There's a there's an old uh, television commercial from the 70s about a spaghetti sauce be called, called Prego, and uh, a person's asking the person holding a bottle of Prego uh, about an ingredient, and the person says, it's in there, it's in there. All the things that you talked about that are important, the, the nutrients and the vitamins, are in the CV defense. So it's in one place. And you take it twice a day, and you're going to be taking it the rest of your life, but you're going to have a much better chance of defending yourself. Would you agree with that, doctor? Oh, absolutely. If you want to be healthy, you have to eat healthy, and you have to consume things that are going to keep you know keep you healthy. Uh, and in the absence of those, you know, I'm not sure what you would expect. I mean, it's it's like saying you you want to drive your car from this town to the next town 100 miles down the road, but you don't feel like you need to bother to put gas in the car. You're not (laughs) going to get very far. And so, you know, it kind of takes the whole thing. If you don't have the right fuel, uh, how can you expect that car to get from here to there? And how can you expect your immune system to function when you need it to function? Thank you. We've been speaking to Dr. Michael Lewis, uh, an expert on, on a lot of things. And a good practical advice. 
Thank you for joining us today, Doctor. Oh, it's my pleasure, Dan. And uh, we'll be right back after this message. Everywhere you look, you see stories about cannabis and CBD. But how can you trust that you're getting accurate information? We want to introduce you to a new radio program called America's Cannabis Conversation. This program is designed to help you gain as much information as you can about the cannabis industry. Every week, this one-hour program connects you with experts from many facets of the cannabis business to grow your knowledge and help you make better, more informed decisions. Join the conversation at americascannabisconversation.com. Time now for the lowdown on another high-time experience. Here's 420 Lifestyle Correspondent Rich Walkoff. Well, here we are at the Emerald Cup, and you never know who you run into. Sun Mutialu is a plasma physicist? Correct. Something I've never even heard of. But here you are in the cannabis mecca in Northern California, Mm -hmm. kind of sneering at some of the commercial entities that are abounding here. So why don't you dive right into the core of it? You are an advocate for sun-grown cannabis. Correct. But many of the products here are not. Well, yeah, they're not. Not I think everybody's trying to do sun-grown, and the, certainly the Emerald Triangle uh, and, the, and the growers that are here are doing extremely good work, for sure. And they should be, and they're world-renowned for that. Um, but I think where I'm addressing, we, we have a technology called the Sun on Demand the sunondemand.com and what we are doing is doing biomimicry so in essence instead of doing our own science which we feel is uh, anytime you're doing anything against mother nature it's resistive farming you're resisting mother nature very much like the army corps of engineers that has projects you know everything from new orleans to whatever that mother nature just clears out in one day right because they're fighting Mother Nature, and it's the same kind in growing. Um, however, as the current industry, 80% of the of okay, the so legal yeah. cannabis business is indoors. So where do people, where do farmers here at this beautiful Emerald Cup go? What do they do? How do they compete? Uh, when you have uh, someone like Mike Tyson, even with 150,000 square foot in the middle of uh, Palm Desert, you know, doing that, how do you compete against that? And so the reason we're here, we're a sustainability, wellness, uh, and emerging technologies company. We integrate uh, sustainability, wellness, and these emerging technologies to do biomimicry. So our goal is, how do you create Mother Nature indoors? Indoors. indoors. Um, and the reason we would do that indoors for this group is very, it's pretty simple. It's hard to imagine this, but we can pop seeds underneath it. We can do, they can do their genetics. They can harden their plants. You get 20% more, I'm sorry, 60% more root mass, more micro hairs. You get more inner nodes. The plant is hardened. Right now, people use our oh, fluorescent light, or they use other things to not only pop seeds, but there's no UV, there's no infrared. So the plant can't develop its immune system as it does in Mother Nature outdoors when you pop a seed. So we provide that. Also for overwintering, keeping your mother nice and healthy. How do you do that when you don't have sun in the winter here? So our goal as a company is to give these farmers 
these beautiful growers a leg up by allowing them to have hardened plants, by allowing them to do R&D uh, in living soil. And with our technology, we can do living soil, complete living soil, polycrop, regenerative growing indoors because we have the full frequency of the sun. We're like 50% even more uh, cheaper than LEDs. Uh, LEDs don't even include any UV, UVA or UVB or infrared. So we provide that and we provide it at the exact spectrum of the sun. And this allows full expression genetics. It allows you to grow land races because we can change to any latitude and longitude the light spectra. Uh, we work with NASA to, to, to come up with what that is through a partnership. So our goal basically is to bring land races back, to bring the plants that, are, that really have matured in the, in the cannabis space and help uh, local growers uh, either breed between, go once back with their beautiful and keep some IP for all the work they did in their family, or to be able to take whatever they've got and if they want to compete in the open marketplace with the cakes and the OGs, at least they have all the compounds out of that plant. So maybe they have the high THC, but they also have all the other compounds. So have you mastered the art of fooling Mother Nature? No, I don't think it's a fooling of Mother Nature. Replication. I think it's emulating. We're emulating. And the beauty of that is that, and, and unlike other companies that come into this space, the lighting companies, somehow get to guess, oh, it needs blue, or it needs red, or I turn this one off and then I can add this. Well, you know what? The plant hasn't told it. The plant isn't talking. It uses frequency. And frequency has to be what the sun does. And at different parts of the grow, it uses different frequencies. But combinations of frequencies as well. Like if you think about the Emerson effect. So you want to bring full bioavailability of the sunlight. We're not so arrogant as to say we figured out, dialed it in, and now we can do it. No. We just provide whatever Mother Nature did. And whatever Mother Nature is doing, we just provide that and the plant gets to decide at any given moment in that grow cycle, from all the way from seed, by the way. We can start these plants under our technology and, and seed, go all the way to flower and beyond, just like they do outdoors. And that allows you full expression plants, the most great medicine, IP. It allows you to have, uh, to heal more people, to get more, more, uh, you know, veterans off of opiates. It allows you to help children that have cancer and, 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 and. So our goal as a company isn't to sell units. It's to get more plants out. And of course we sell units to do that, but that's not really our goal. Mm -hmm. Our goal is how do we do biomimicry? How do we uh, align with Mother Nature? How do we give you an efficient technology that you can use? Because some of these farmers have places they can't, they can't afford to pay the electricity to have indoor lights to do their overwintering. Our light does a hundred square feet per light with a thousand watts at four point, you know, four point five uh, 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 amps. That's like a hair dryer, you know, like a wife's or your daughter's hair dryer. So now with that, you can protect your. So it's fifty percent more efficient than than LEDs, and if you do it in an indoor garden, I cut the air conditioning in half. So now you've not only got economic savings, which you can do, and in fact, 
when we've designed some rooms, they actually pay for the light before they even put it in because of the fact that the infrastructure is not in half. So our goal is, again, going back, I keep going back to Mother Nature, I keep going back to the plant. Our viewpoint is always from the plant's point of view. And if you do that, and if you do it with Mother Nature, and you do biomimicry, you're going to have those ladies, those beautiful lady plants, are going to flourish like you can't believe. You because they believe that your lights are essentially the sun. It is. Yeah, not essentially, it is, exactly. And the reason we developed it for solar cell development, we know this. We're a go-no-go -no -go for solar cells. You can't very well take a solar cell flight above all 14 atmospheres and measure it and come back and have a viable business. So we had to develop this to do a go-no-go -go and test on solar cells. So we know it's the exact sun and it's fusion, just like Tesla. So it's exactly the sun. So how does it compare with conventional lighting for indoor grows? It's cheaper. Uh, it gives you full expression of your plant. It reduces your PM. It reduces your uh, nutrient. Uh, but it increases water, which is a negative force. But that's because the plants are growing like crazy. And we can take one week off of veg uh, in about maybe five days, three to five days, depending on the, on the strain off of flower. But we don't recommend that because you want to keep plants in flower. Uh, but it, that gives you an extra grow at the end of the year. So who made, makes the best benefit of this? Well, the investor, because he's got a differentiator in the marketplace. He's saving like crazy on his electricity bill. He's allowing to be a, uh, the strains that he's pushing out there are full uh, ensemble effect plants or entourage effect plants. And they differentiate the marketplace because they're not only grown in 23% of the sun spectra, which is what HPS is or LEDs. And so not only do you save electricity, you get a hardier plant. You get quality plants, you differentiate because you're growing maybe a land race, Hindu Kush, right here. So in Leafly, if you were the only one with Hindu Kush, don't you think you'd get some notoriety? Now, the argument that I've had from people is, well, that's not what the market wants. They want cake and they want OG. Well, you know what? If we grow that like Mother Nature, you're going to get more compounds, even if you get that high THC. You're going to have a kick-butt product. Even and, and the CBD component would be enhanced, too, the way you're describing Oh, yeah, 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 this is good. We're doing in Wisconsin right now, working with hemp growers, so that they don't have a loss factor, because they have to grow a significant amount of acreage to be able to have a sweet spot of product, because they lose it from neighbors, from bugs, from plants, I mean, all kinds of other issues. But by us hardening those plants before they go out there, the immune system's already built. There's no lag period. So the plant goes directly from indoors within one day to two days, depending on strain, it's acclimated to outdoors. Where the other way of doing it is you go from a T5 to a this light to that light, and then you cover it with a sailcloth, and then you put it out. Because you're just stunting that plant by sunlight. Yeah. But if you start with sunlight, if you pop your seeds with sunlight, if you harden with sunlight, and then take them out when they're teens, which is what we are able to do because we have the sun indoors, gives you one leg up, a big leg up. So you have healthier, hardier plants. Yes. 
and more profitable because everybody can make money now from it, right? And, and the smaller grower can protect their genetics so that they can have a boutique product that people come and talk to them about that has all the compounds, and particularly trichomes. Let's talk trichomes for a minute, right? That's where the beauty is. Talk, you don't have UV, A or B, you don't get good trichomes. You might, it's just like an apple. You know, you have any idea if you go to a local grocery store right now? When was that apple was picked? You have any idea? It could be weeks ago, right? No, 11 months. It left the tree at 11 months. And it's gassed? It's gassed. It's full of chemicals to make it look. And it doesn't taste like an apple. It doesn't have the nutrients, which is what we're doing to the cannabis right now. By doing these artificial grows, by adding artificial components, by using salts, by adding NPK. You need What's to NPK? Well, that's the nutrients levels that you add, sodium, phosphorus. And so to make up for the absence yes. of the nutrients provided by full spectrum yeah. solar light. Well, well, or sunlight. Sunlight, yeah. So what happens is the reason why a lot of the soil companies can do very well right now is because you don't have a living soil going that creates all that. You're putting so much CO2 into the and some of our grows, again, how the grower is, it's important. You don't have to add any CO2 because the, the microbiology is creating all of that. Because light, remember, it's not just luminous light that you see with your eyes. It's frequency. So the frequency goes down and actually activates microbes as well. It's also plasma in the root section which gets activated. All of us, everything that's around us right now, these frequencies, everything, and we owe all of that to one power source, and that's the, the sun. sun. So if we mess with the delivery system, we're messing with the formula to create the perfect plant. Correct, correct. And so when you put it in a greenhouse, it's even worse. People think greenhouses, you're getting free sun. It's absolutely incorrect, because you don't get UV. No matter what kind of glazing you have, glass, or plastic and UV is what creates trichomes. That's what creates the immune system. If you don't have A and B, you don't have it. And you need infrared, but you get a hell of a lot of that. <laughs> so when you see greenhouse grown weed, you're essentially compromising the product. Yes. Yes. You're compromising But that's not the prevailing wisdom. Well the prevailing well it, there's a there's this discussion of it's free. Sunlight is free in a greenhouse. Well, yeah, it's free, but you have to clean that greenhouse. Uh, when a, when the infrared wave, which and some infrared waves are the size of the pyramids, they're inside this glass box. You just created a petri dish, and so it gets entrapped. It starts creating heat, and then you start to get condensation on your glass on your plastic, Not which good. then what does bacteria like? Heat and water and moisture and moisture. And now all of a sudden that greenhouse You've got a petri dish. You got a petri dish. And now you've got and the sun doesn't choose just your cannabis plant. Well, okay, let me just shine on that. It chooses everything. So in between grows, you gotta disinfect. You gotta clean. You gotta change that soil and throw it away. So it actually becomes more expensive in the long term than even growing indoors. Which is crazy. It doesn't sound right. That is until we came in. 
Before that, yes, it was an issue. But now that you can have sunlight indoors, the full frequency of the sunlight, from 285 nanometers up to 1650 available to you without clouds, without any refraction, without any, you're just getting, and this is why we developed to, to do solar cells, because we can't just change that all that, right? We have to have it solid. And the beauty is a lot of growers think it's them that's tweaking the plant. They're master growers. And I appreciate that. They've been growing for a long time. So I'm not a grower. I mean, well, that's not true. I grew when I was 12 years old in Berkeley growing up. And, you know, I certainly do my own personal stuff. But I'm not the large-scale grower. But the problem is that it's the plant. The plant's the grower. Everybody else is just cultivators. Because they can change. Remember, they have... 35,000 genes. We have 25,000 genes. Tell me, what's smarter? It's like a, a, a beautiful lady that's got you wrapped around its finger. It changes this way, that way you run to it and go, oh my goodness, it's turning more. Let me do this. Let me put them on. With our light also, the other thing is we don't have to trim our trees. We don't top. A lot of people take all the leaves away and we're like, what? that's like taking all the solar cells after you off your roof because are they receptors oh absolutely that's where they get their energy and a lot of people in indoor growth top that instead of they top the plant take all the leaves out because they oh we need all that energy for the flower really you, you just chopped up that's like taking your child cutting their arms and legs off and going okay grow yeah well they're gonna grow and especially if you feed them one cereal all the time because you've got some biochar slash you know product put together that's got this that and the other it's not mother nature and so you have to be regenerative you have to look like mother nature you got to stop thinking about the money you got to start thinking about the plant and the better you treat that plant the more happy that is the more it's going to express itself the more yield you'll get the better quality product you get and you'll depreciate the market and you'll hold your pricing. That's how it's done. Now, are you a pioneer that is getting a following or are you bucking the tide? Oh, I'm definitely bucking the tide and I'm disruptive because um, you only know those things you've experienced in life. When you have something come in that's new. So let me give you just a thought about that and it's a little harder. Sometimes in life, what you cannot see is probably the most important thing. So, the examples would be air. We take that for granted. We don't see it, and yet we live by it, right? There are other things in life that we do not see, atoms. We don't see there's a connection between us and the plant. We don't understand there's an energy that all of us are one, that we have to rely on each other. That we have plants that are um, relying on us, and we rely on those plants. That's what a bio—that's what an ecosystem is. And so, in the case of lighting, in the case of sunlight, what's more important than the uh, the things we see from our eyes—the luminous lights, which everybody uses as part, photoactive, reactive—because they think it's only photosynthesis that a plant does. Total and unequivocally no it does lots more than that but every plant does photosynthesis that's why they're plants but what happens on the other end of things that you cannot see uv infrared 
infrared, you're going to fucking heat. We're not talking heat here. We're talking about circadian rhythms. We're talking about uh, developing certain metabolites. We're talking about getting the full expression of all of those CBD uh, compounds that are in that plant. And we think we're doctors that we can just extract something, mix it somehow with our own self, and think that we know better than that plant, and we don't. That plant has, has secondary compounds that all work in concert to create that medicine. When you take RSO, you don't pull out certain, just, oh, because you're serving cancer. You don't have, we don't, I mean, we're learning. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of great work done in Israel and the States and farmers learn, but it's really, even though anecdotal, because that plant hasn't told us, and every day we're finding a new compound. How do we know what those things interplay is? You don't. So instead of doing that side of it and trying to train it, let's just give it mother nature and allow the plant to do what it does, instead of trying to train it and force it, just for money. And how is your science manifesting in your cultivations? Are you growing unique plants and products? Oh, absolutely. One of the beauties of this is that you can take land races. Now, maybe somebody's not going to buy Hindu Kush because they're not my age. You know, they grew up in Berkeley and Hindu Kush. If I get some good, clean Hindu Kush right now, I mean, you know, we're growing it now in Canada. But, but the old school guys, baby boomers and such, um, understand that, what those land races are. The, a lot of the buying public right now, they want cakes, they want OG, they want high THC, they want all that. And I'm not going to argue whether this and that is right. I'd rather have them do that than alcohol and say opium, right? Or some other chemical drug. So I would say that um, doing a unique land race, finding one that you've done the XY. I mean, the chromosome work to know that that is actually that. Now you've got a, a particular strain that you've worked on in your family, or you've, this is coming out, everybody loves it. Cross it with that once, cross it back, and go pheno hunting. Now you've got this beautiful land race genetics matched with yours. Get the kind of pheno you're looking for. Then take that one and do either seed, which I prefer, seed to seed, rather than tissue culture, rather than clones. Because you don't get a taproot when you get, uh, and you, and a plant with a taproot is completely different than something that has, that you're taking a clone. You don't know your, and you have genetic drift. With our technology, when you have a, a mother that you've used over and over and over and over and clean, and you do, you're so afraid to take it outside because you might catch something or a bug might come, because it's your livelihood as a, as a small grower. What we can do is bring that genetic back indoors under a real controlled atmosphere. So now you can have your lady back. And every time you clone, you're not going to lose genetics. It's not going to have that drift. So now you have to look for something. So to answer your question, it's a long way, is that I think you can create IP by taking a land race that has similar attributes that you know the genetics has gone over time, a significant amount of years, cross it once, cross it back, maybe do it a couple of times to get that phenotype you want. Now, with the phenotype issue, it's more clones. You're doing clones. But to seed the seed, everybody's afraid. Uh, because they don't know what 
what that seed has gone through. And I don't know if I can keep my genetics going through. And the issue isn't the seed. The issue is what's coating on that. So we developed an atmospheric plasma, rather than being in a vacuum where plasma exists. Just like the sun, it's in vacuum out there, so it's plugged. This thing allows us to have atmospheric plasma. So right here on this table, I can just have a ball of plasma. So what that allows me to do is to clean everything organic off that seed. So I can kill the viruses, I can do all that, and continue to have seed to seed. Where do we find your new lighting products? TheSunOnDemand.com TheSunOnDemand.com And our company is Azentive, A-Z-E-N-T-I-V-E.com Azentive.com uh, that's the wellness sustainability. The Sun on Demand is a one of the leading technologies we have because we're again wellness sustainability uh, and emerging technologies. So we're always looking at biomimicry. So that's our goal: not just sell something, but something that's going to help and actually assist Mother Nature in helping with the satiant beings that we so rudely put into these big grows as though they're robots. I want to help those ladies. Well, appropriately named, Mr. Sun. Thank you very Physicist, much. Physicist, you're a champ. Thanks for joining us here on W420 Radio Network. Rich Walkoff here at the Emerald Cup 2019 in Santa Rosa, California. Thank you very much. America's newest and fastest-growing cannabis-focused radio network is expanding across the country and looking to add to our sales and marketing team. America's Cannabis Conversation offers listeners insight and information on the exploding world of cannabis. It also gives advertisers the opportunity to reach a hyper-targeted audience, literally neighborhood by neighborhood, in markets all across the country. We're looking for a few motivated individuals that want to essentially run their own local business. To learn more about this exciting opportunity or to apply, visit americascannabisconversation.com. Welcome to America's Cannabis Conversation, heard online at americascannabisconversation.com. We're part of the W420 Radio Network, and each week we provide you with information, education, and insight into the exploding medical and recreational cannabis industry. You'll hear from industry leaders, elected officials, local experts, detractors, and more. Learn how to build your own cannabis business, how to grow the product, what's legal, and where it's legal. Tune in each week to hear updates from the National Cannabis Industry Association in Washington. Tips on investing in cannabis markets, personal success stories, and more. It's now time to join America's Cannabis Conversation. And here's your host, Dan Perkins. I want to take a moment to tell you why we started this groundbreaking network and show. Hundreds of thousands of people who work in the cannabis industry trying to help people are not permitted to tell their story on the public airways of radio and TV. In spite of these restrictions, the American cannabis industry is growing at about 35% per year and accelerating. As you listen to this show from time to time, you will hear real people telling their story of how cannabis helped them or business people who grew their business. When I started talking to people in the exploding cannabis business and telling them what we were trying to do, I heard this common question. When can you help me? Well, starting today, we are going to give you a voice. We promise to do our best to bring you a high value entertaining program. We want from you what you want from your customers. Come back for more. And now, 
let's meet our guest. Welcome back to America's Cannabis Conversation. Talking with us today is uh, Dr. Sulak. How much is too much and what is, what is too little, whether it's cannabis or CBD? I think a lot of people, as with this rapid growth in the marketplace for cannabis and CBD products, um, people are concerned that they're taking the right amount and that they're getting the right information. So, Dr., Welcome to the conversation. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for the invitation. Important sure. topic. Absolutely. So let, let's talk about the idea of how do you how do you figure out what's the right dose for you? Yeah. Okay. So you know, I'll just start with cannabis has an incredibly broad, safe and effective dosing range. You know, you don't see this for other types of medications where say one person with fibromyalgia might do well, you know, kind of an outlier, but might do well with like two milligrams total per day. And another person might do well literally with 200. And, um, and in that range, it's, it's safe and it's just quite variable uh, from person to person. And then also different individuals will change in their cannabis requirements throughout their life. So I've been doing this clinically for almost 12 years. And what I've had mm. to do is develop a methodology to help people kind of find their optimal dose, which for most people means feeling really good, performing well, and minimizing the adverse effects. And, you know, for most of my patients, they consider euphoria or impairment and adverse effect, except for once in a while. Uh, it's, it's important to go there too uh, from time to time, but not, not daily or not all the time. And so, um, you know, say I'm sitting in the clinic with someone who's brand new to cannabis. They don't know if they're very sensitive to THC or if they're one of these people that tends to need more instead of, you know, what I might do with another drug here, take five milligrams three times a day with cannabis. It's, it's a plan uh, for a method to figure it out on their own. And this is information that people don't need to come to my clinic to get. It's included in all the products that healer makes. Uh, we, we have, cannabis products in Maine and Maryland and CBD products available nationwide. And there's a little dosing guide on the box. And then you can, you know, download a, a more thorough guide with a worksheet to fill in. But essentially it's like this, here's your starting dose. Here's what to look for in terms of benefits and side effects. Here's a little place to write it down. And then here's a method for increasing your dose periodically. So I just give a concrete example. Like someone comes to me, their primary goal is to use THC to help them sleep. And we're starting mm -hmm. with THC drops. And I, and, and I don't know if they're sensitive to cannabis or not. They've never tried it before. So I'll tell them, take two milligrams tonight. Take two milligrams tomorrow night. If, you, if you're not getting restorative sleep, then the night after that, let's go up to three for two nights in a row. And then the night after that, let's go up to four for two nights in a row. And if you're not getting good results by the time you get up to 20 using that same method, then um, I want to know about it. And we might have to shift gears and consider an adjunct to cannabis or, or trying a different product. Um, but most people will get to a point somewhere in that range where they start to feel a little groggy the next morning, not, not clear headed. And that means they've gone too far. That's that's important information. They, they write that down and then they just back up a notch and they're kind of at their sustainable dose. Now, over time, maybe over the course of a, a year or, or a couple of years, as they get healthier, they might need less cannabis. And, and this is the thing that a lot of people um, don't realize is that th there's a trend where decreasing the dose can actually improve the results. Now, you also, add, you know, you mentioned about 
people using too much. You know, is, is right. what does too much look like? And it's it's strange because um, acutely when somebody overdoses on cannabis, it's really obvious they get sick. But uh, when it's a gradual process of building up to too high of a dose, the only thing that happens is they lose the benefits of cannabis. And, um, and they, they might get some mild other side effects that are hard to notice, like a little fatigue or something. But, um, but it's very counterintuitive for somebody that's taking the same dose that once worked for them and it's no longer working. The obvious thought is, oh, I'm going to take more, more to get more results. And if they take more, they might very temporarily get more results. But what they're really doing is building tolerance to cannabis. And over time, they're going to lose efficacy. But nobody says naturally, wow, this isn't working as well as it used to. I'm going to decrease my dose. Uh, it, it just doesn't make sense to a lot of people. But if they do that, that's exactly what they should do. Most people, when they reduce their dose, they reverse tolerance and they can start getting better results. That's great advice. Sleep deprivation is the linchpin. Inappropriate, not enough sleep, not enough restorative sleep can lead to depression, can lead to suicide, and and could, can lead to PTSD. And so um, I've been working with doctors who are doing exactly the same thing that you're saying, not with cannabis, but with CBD. Start at 10 and take it for a few days. And then uh, if that's not helping, increase it. But there's an, an, uh, another protocol, which you may or may not be aware of. Some of the veterans that we work with are using now a Fitbit device that measures the REM level of sleep. And so they're doing that in conjunction with CBD. And when they get to that 20 to 23% REM level sleep, they know they're sleeping and restoring but they don't increase the dose. They stay there. And yeah. it, um, it's self-medication. It is. Well, I mean, this is about empowering people to take care of themselves, which I think is a great idea, even though, you know, the rest of conventional medicine seems to be working in the other direction in, in a lot of ways. But uh, having an external measure like a biometric, a Fitbit or an aura ring or, or something like that is uh, mm -hmm. quite useful. A and um, being self-aware is also an important part of the healing process, you know? And so I'm asking people, uh, like, like here's another example, say somebody has anxiety and they want to use cannabis to treat that. And, you know, depending on their history and their symptoms, I may recommend a THC dominant approach or a mixed THC and CBD or, or CBD dominant, you know, either way. But what I'm going to ask them to do is check in with themselves and rate how they're feeling. And I have, a, I have something called the inner inventory, which is a way of asking oneself four questions, basically how smooth and easy is my breath right now? What's my mood like? And you can test that by putting a fake smile on for a few seconds and seeing how real it feels and how comfortable am I in my body staying still? And then what's the intensity of my symptoms? And so they'll rate that on a scale from one to 10, take their dose, rate it again a couple hours later. And we provide a worksheet for that. And, mm -hmm. and it's really nice to see the trend of each time they increase the dose, are there, are their scores improving? And then where, where do those scores plateau? And that's, obviously a, a sign to stop increasing the dose or if the scores take a dip. 
Um, and, and so, yeah, I think a combination of biometrics from a device, but but the, this inner awareness, like the willingness to pay attention to how crappy I'm feeling right now is actually an important part of the healing process. So many of us like withdraw our attention and our awareness from, say, the part of our body that's hurting or the part of our emotional landscape that's uncomfortable. And, and typically bringing awareness back there, what I found is actually part of what cannabis cannabis is great for symptom relief but a lot of patients will tell you this is more than symptom relief this is transformation and the longer i've been using cannabis the less i've needed because i've actually healed some of these old hurts whether they're physical wow. or mental there's a reluctance because there have been some crazy stories in the area of edibles and brownies and cookies and stuff like that and and people you know <laughs> should i eat the whole plate or just one or half a brownie or seven brownies um and and so people are having difficulty trying to figure out how much in cookies and brownies and edibles in general. Uh, do you treat it the same way as you would with the with the plant doctor? I you know I'm I'm reluctant to ever recommend uh, edibles unless somebody really needs it for like a palatability issue of you know kids or someone with dementia where it's kind of hard to get it into them. Um, it, you know I've just had I've been burned too many times. You know supposedly this is a standardized product and each dose is the same and the patient has a freak out overdose event and I, you know I've, I've seen that happen enough that I'm plus I'm frequently recommending people not eating calories before bed anyway. So why would I want them to you know eat a brownie before? bed when they could just take a capsule or, or take a, a, a very precise number of drops that they have this level of confidence in. You know, there's no mystery when you're counting eight drops before bed or something like that. Right. So, I, a, you know, I, I think I, I like to keep it medical if, if possible, but there's a place for everything. But I think you're, you're, you're making an extremely valid point on, on edibles. Right now, we don't know per se how much THC is in any particular cookie or brownie because there aren't any standardized processes out there for measuring that. And and so that's when you could get a huge variable uh, swing in the amount of THC that you're taking in any particular cookie or brownie or whatever. And, and is that what you're saying? That it's not, it's not reliable yeah, it's, because it's not it's, predictable. Right. There's, there's different, um, you know, parts of the process that could be problematic. I know the testing is problematic, especially with gummies and other things that are in like a thick solid matrix. Like it can be really hard to get that stuff to dissolve into the solution that has to run through the testing equipment. And, and sometimes mm -hmm. like expensive grinders are needed that a lot of labs don't have, but also just from like, uh, you know, the um, baking perspective, like, is that batter fully homogenized or is, you know, part of the pan going to be more potent than the other part? And, um, you know, or is one batch going to be the same as the next? It's it's just hard to say, you know, so I, I, a little more risk there. And, um, you know, I, I think that pa patients do really well with precise kind of individualized doses and, mm -hmm. uh, and probably a better way to get that is with drops. And then once they figure out where they're at with drops, then they can switch over to a capsule for convenience. The, the capsule will take a little bit longer to kick in for most people, but but that's usually fine. And, and uh, you know, we didn't talk about inhalation. You know, I, I don't want to sure. make it sound like oral is the only way to dose cannabis. You know, in the patients I treat, there's a big role for inhalation as well for episodic symptoms and kind of breakthrough symptoms. It, it can be very useful. Um, but for people that have chronic conditions that they're dealing with all day, every day, it does not make any sense 
to go with inhalation only. For, for most patients, they'll do well with a baseline dosage that's coming in through their mouth, and then they can inhale on top of that. The, the exception is that there is a, a small percentage of the population that seems to not absorb cannabis when taken orally. You know, I, I've, a lot of people probably know one person or two. I, I've seen you know, a couple handfuls throughout my career of people that could literally eat 500 milligrams of THC, feel nothing, uh, you know, light up a, a pipe and take two puffs and they're really feeling it. And it's just mm. something about their, their GI system that makes it not yeah. feasible for them to absorb it that way. I read more and more about the senior citizens uh, and senior adults who are gravitating in quite big numbers to cannabis, but are not interested in smoking. They're, they, they just, they may have quit smoking cigarettes or cigars or pipes or whatever, and just don't want to go through that process of of lighting up and and starting over again. So they they're looking for alternatives. Right, right, yes, yeah, it's, it's great for that population. And then just one other comment I'd love to make. I know sure. we're short on time. Is that That's while right, a lot of ahead. people are taking a lot of people are taking too much THC and losing efficacy. I often find that the opposite thing is happening with CBD where people will try five or 10 milligrams or even 15 of CBD and be unimpressed with the results where if they had stuck with it and gone to a higher dose, CBD is much weaker than THC and, and it's very well tolerated. And sometimes people need these high doses to get the benefits. The downside is that it can become cost prohibitive to take, say, 50 milligrams of CBD three times a day. You know, for some people that we might be looking at like a $10 a day treatment, and that really adds up. What I've discovered is that a great way to make CBD more potent is to use CBDA in combination with CBD or just to completely switch over to CBDA, which is the precursor of CBD. It has almost all the same pharmacologic properties as CBD, not all of them, but, but many of them. So it, it's likely to produce similar results for most people. And it's absorbed in the body about, you know, more than 10 times better absorption than CBD. And once it gets in the body, it's more potent. So what we've wow. done at Healer is added, we've added CBDA to our standard CBD product and people are reporting, they find it much more potent. And then we also have a, a CBDA product. It's, you know, it's, it's so valuable that that CBDA and it, um, it converts into CBD over time, but, but very slowly, um, most manufacturers are fully decarboxylating or converting their CBDA to CBD. And if they just left some in the form of CBDA, their products would probably be stronger. Wow. We've been speaking with Dr. Schulach and on the subject of how much is the right amount to take. And it's been a fascinating conversation. Doctor, how can people follow you and learn more about your, your practice and your business? So our um, website is healer.com, just spelled like the regular word, healer.com. And on that website, we've got a lot of free patient education, including a program called the Sensitization Program. It kind of holds your hand and walks you through how to reverse cannabis tolerance and find your optimal dose. All the worksheets and everything I mentioned are on there. Uh, we have a separate website for our products, which is healercbd.com. Those are the hemp products. And then we have another website for our uh, medical products that contain THC and that's healercannabis.com. But if you just go to plainoldhealer.com, that's a great place to get started. If you missed uh, any of this interesting interview, please go to w420radionetwork.com, go to the archive section, and you can listen to the doctor and hear the whole show and learn about what is the right dose to take. w420radionetwork.com.